Welcome to Healthline 3, I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking with Dr. Michael Banda of WK Bossier Surgical Associates, and we're talking about adult abdominal pain. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show, and as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down all the way so we can be sure and hear your questions. The number to call is 318-219-4569, and you'll see it a little later in throughout the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Banda, for being here. Thanks for being here. This is really great. I'm glad that we have a whole half hour with you to talk about general surgery and what that really means. We talked earlier about it being about the core of the body and those organs in there. So refresh us on what that means. What that means is uh, in general surgery, we uh, diagnose and operate on patients uh, predominantly in the core, abdomen, chest area, chest externally, abdomen internally, um, and also the extremities. Uh, sometimes patients present with uh, fatty tumors or, or hard uh, uh, soft tissue tumors of the extremities that we remove routinely. So general surgery encompasses a, a wide variety of, uh, of uh, areas in addition to uh, not so clear things that involve uh, either pain or uh, symptoms uh, relating to the abdominal cavity. Okay, and we're gonna talk extensively, like you and I discussed during the break, all of these, these problems and these symptoms that if they go too long can really be serious. Let's talk about the different organs and the different types of symptoms that can cause adult pain like that. Okay, and first of all, uh, in, in a general sense, um, everybody uh, experiences um, abdominal pain, uh, either cramps or uh, intestinal irritability, sometimes with fever, nausea, vomit. It could be like a 24 hour uh, gut bug as we call it but when it goes past a certain point maybe after 24 36 hours and there's no resolution especially someone who's actively vomiting and they can't keep fluids down they'll become dehydrated and they'll, and they'll end up getting sicker and those situations when it's past a certain point and we all know our baselines uh, show up to your physician's office or if anything come to the emergency room get so get checked out in a timely fashion and we talk about baselines and we talk about like knowing your own body and following your intuition you can kind of tell if this is just a stomach ache what did i eat have i not had enough water or something like that or if it's a if your intuition tells you this is a different kind of pain right. you don't necessarily have to wait the whole 24 hours and not to be afraid to go ahead and call and go see about it that's right and a lot of us have uh non-specific generalized pain but when usually when the pain becomes localized to one part of the abdomen uh, it may signify that there's a particular organ in that area that's really kind of acting up or going bad um, there's many causes for abdominal pain but in general surgery uh, there's usually a handful of causes that we normally see and I think those are really important to mention uh, you know, aside from the gut bug that we all can get over after a day or two, then beyond that, upper abdominal pain could represent like a stomach ulcer. And that presents with sometimes generalized pain, sometimes pain just below the breastplate. It's a gnawing, a persistent, uh, burning type pain. When that continues on uh, without relief to over-the-counter uh, antacids, then it's best to get that checked out because that could mean a, an advanced ulcer. And if it's severe enough where it started uh, below the breastplate and the pain spread everywhere else, that could be si a sign of a, a, a ruptured uh, stomach ulcer or a bleeding stomach ulcer, both of which uh, would require surgical attention. Um, and uh, that, 
the treatment for that is an open operation when it's diagnosed uh, to open that part of the stomach up either suture off uh, the bleeding uh, ulcer or to repair it if it's perforated. So that's, that's one example of abdominal pain. Another example is when patients may have the same amount of pain, same area, may be coming to the right rib side, that could be a gallbladder problem. Um, when that happens, then it's usually, but not always, maybe after a meal, maybe it lasts for 30 to 40 minutes after a meal, one tends to hold their side. There may be some nausea, vomiting, maybe some fever. And that could be sign of a, a gallbladder going bad, either with or without gallstones. So that's a possibility it's, it, it, and well. Uh, the treatment for that is obviously laparoscopic surgery. Um, and I have seen uh, many patients where had they come in maybe when the symptoms started within 24 to 48 hours, we could have gone to surgery, had an easy surgery, and maybe home the next day. Uh, plenty of times we've seen as general surgeons, and I'm, I'm sure everywhere else, where the gallbladder is worse, it's almost to the point of gangrene, got infection in there, and if it's, uh, if it's distorted enough and, and, and the anatomy is not very clear, then sometimes that uh, gallbladder could not be removed with the laparoscope, so we have to make a bigger incision. And so that's another uh, bigger operation, more recovery, more pain postoperatively. And so that could have been alleviated when had a patient maybe come in three or four days in advance. So that's another example of abdominal pain. Um, and those are common things we see. Another common uh, source of abdominal pain is appendicitis. Yes. Now that could be really tricky, and, and I've seen appendicitis present uh, in many different ways. But the classical general sense is abdominal pain kind of in the center, and it kind of maybe within eight to ten hours starts pointing down to the right lower abdomen. And when that happens to an individual, certainly encourage uh, them to come to the emergency room, doesn't matter what time of day it is. <laughs> uh, that needs to be checked out because when the appendix goes bad, uh, the consequences are pretty hard. It can get uh, infected, turn into gangrene, it can rupture, and again, what could be a um, simple operation uh, with three small, tiny laparoscopic incisions that remove the appendix could turn into a bigger uh, incision, a bigger operation to not only remove the appendix, but all the infection that uh, goes along with it. So that's another uh, example of um, abdominal pain that, uh, that, that could go awry if, if not treated uh, soon enough. Now in, in older patients, uh, we have um, uh, intestinal obstructions. Well, we see intestinal obstructions in, in all ranges of uh, ages, but generally in the uh, more advanced population who's had previous surgery, um, sometimes one has an obstruction and that uh, sometimes resolves, sometimes doesn't. Okay. Uh, and that may require a big surgery to get that uh, uh, resolved. Okay. I love that we got that overview and I want to break them down one by one. And right now we have Gladys on the line. Hi Gladys, thanks for calling. What's your question? Thank you for taking my call. Of course. I've had several abdominal surgeries over the years 
and they suspect I may have scar tissue. How can that be um, diagnosed definitely? So, and what is the treatment for that scar tissue? Well, that's a very good question, and you're one of the many patients that I do see uh, with uh, signs and symptoms of scar tissue. Um, anybody, uh, of course, everybody's different. Uh, some patients never form any scar tissue. Others, one or two surgeries, and they're loaded with scar tissue or adhesions that we commonly call them. Now, adhesions can cause, uh, by virtue of sticking to intestinal loops, when, when you move, it can cause discomfort inside. Um, and sometimes it's hard to put your finger on exactly uh, what it is. So if you had previous abdominal surgeries or a hysterectomy years ago, it can come back to haunt anybody. I've seen um, patients who've had hysterectomy 50 years prior and they come and they have an adhesion from that surgery finally affecting them. But uh, some, uh, as far as scar tissue, uh, some nondescript, uh, uh, non-defined uh, abdominal pain, cramps, maybe with positioned. But generally, unless it's uh, causing an intestinal obstruction, because uh, intestines can get wrapped around the scar tissue, and when one comes to the hospital and we can diagnose that with CAT scans and x-rays, and when that doesn't get better over the next day or so, or gets worse, then we're compelled to operate and we enter the abdomen, remove the scar tissue, free up the, uh, blocked up the loops of intestine, and kind of straighten everything out. Uh, but that's a good question. Uh, uh, if you've had multiple abdominal surgeries, that's um, probably what it is. Um, if it's discomfort, it's predominantly your issue and as we say you can live with it it doesn't really affect your lifestyle sometimes it's best just not operating again unless there's a really uh, propelling uh, reason either an obstruction or um, you get intractable pain that you just can't even carry on with your lifestyle and that uh, is an indication for uh, going back to surgery and sometimes it can be done with a scope uh, small incisions to resolve the situation, but many people do have scar tissue, and it's uh, it's it's a it's a big situation that uh, we've got to tailor the uh, treatment to every individual uh, patient. Okay, does that answer your question, Gladys? You mentioned a scope. What what? How is that done? Is that some sort of procedure to remove the scar tissue? Well, with the scope, uh, the laparoscope, uh, it depends on uh, where your scars are. Uh, say if you have a scar up and down the middle. And we know you got adhesions. We know that's the problem based on all the, the studies, the CAT scans, x-rays, any kind of workup you've had. And if there's a severe pain and uh, maybe an occasional obstruction or blockage but resolved, a surgeon might consider uh, using the laparoscope, entering at the left upper abdomen, kind of away from the area of previous surgery. And we fill the abdomen in with uh, CO2, uh, gives us room to work in. We strategically place our little incisions and put our port sites, and through those port sites, we uh, insert the laparoscope, which is a camera. And we can see 
areas of the intestines that are getting kind of wrapped up in uh, scar tissue. And we take pictures uh, when I'm in those situations. I take pictures before uh, showing a patient uh, what it looks like, what I got in there. And afterwards, after I remove the scar tissue and freed up the intestine, I'll take pictures afterwards. So that when a patient comes back to see me in clinic, I can have, they'll have a better understanding of what I saw and what we were able to do. Uh, so the scope is basically a short term for the laparoscope. Uh, there's always a possibility of, of, of doing the surgery that way with two or three small little incisions without having to make a bigger incision. The, the, the uh, reason for uh, uh, scar tissue adhesions is that anytime one's had surgery, there's always going to be a, a certain amount of little blood seepage within internally. And when that resolves, that uh, the blood's resolved, but it, it forms films of adhesions or scar tissue. And that's the reason why patients uh, have these issues with uh, scar tissue. All right, well, thank you very much. And thank you. Thank you for calling, Gladys. Good luck to you. And when we talk about the laparoscopic surgery, that's a lot less invasive now than having to cut open, like you said, especially if you're dealing with scar tissue, I would think. You don't want to cut open again and have another result of some scar, potentially scarring. So a lot invasive. That's exactly right. Um, um, whenever given the opportunity to use a laparoscope, we certainly take that route. That's uh, uh, very feasible and very effective. And the whole goal is to minimize the amount of incisions a patient will undergo so that they have a quick recovery and back on their feet as soon as possible. Okay, sounds good. We have Elizabeth on the line for you. Hi, Elizabeth. What is your question for the doctor? Dr. Panda. Yes. I have had stomach pain for two and a half years, excruciating. I go to LSU Med Center. Uh, it's so bad I've even told them I would sign for exploratory surgery. They've done every test in the world and find nothing wrong with me. They've decided now I have fibromyalgia, maybe, and want me to go to pain management to get on oipiolos or whatever they're called. Is that viable for my situation? Fibromyalgia is a real entity. And uh, uh, tell me again, uh, how many or what kinds of surgeries have you had in the past on your abdomen? I have had gallbladder surgery. I have had hysterectomy. Okay. Um, the gallbladder surgery, was that done with a laparoscope or an open incision? Laparoscope about 15 years ago with Dr. Manis that works right there at Willis Knight. Um, because usually after a laparoscopic gallbladder surgery, I'm not saying never, but uh, usually you don't have scar tissue from that. Uh, if you do, it's minimal. If you had a hysterectomy, uh, you could have uh, lower abdominal pain, maybe uh, localized to the deep pelvis. Uh, I don't know if you ever had any intestinal obstruction that resolved. Uh, but if you have um, abdominal pain that's kind of everywhere, not yeah, a specific beware. point uh, that very well could be fibromyalgia usually with adhesions one can uh, not always but sometimes uh, pinpoint a particular area where it's hurting for example i asked you about the gallbladder surgery when in the 
when in the open procedure, there's a long incision to get the gallbladder out underneath the rib cage, and we do that surgery when things are really complicated and it's not safe to remove the gallbladder with a scope. Now, I have seen patients form uh, big time adhesions underneath that incision, and usually that pain is uh, localized and they can be removed with a scope. Uh, but fibromyalgia is a real entity, and I know pain management physicians deal with that, but certainly the rheumatologists do as well. I've had patients with uh, fibromyalgia that I felt like it was to that, not adhesions, and I felt like uh, if they go back to their rheumatologist, and hopefully the rheumatologist will dig deep and think about it and optimize the treatment for fibromyalgia that turns out being very beneficial for the patient. So really fibromyalgia, uh -huh. I've seen in patients uh, suboptimally treated, and I think if that's treated uh, extremely well, then a lot of the abdominal pain uh, may resolve, if, you know, if not all of it. Well, I'm on the symbols of it. Nothing seems to help. And I really don't want on opioids unless I have to. Right. But I sure do. Thank you. You're so welcome. I would I would recommend really talking to your rheumatologist or, or if, you, if you don't see a rheumatologist, certainly consult with one and really kind of uh, sort that out because you might be surprised that if the fibromyalgia is optimally treated, a lot of your symptoms or, or a discomfort may uh, improve dramatically. Okay, thank you, Dr. Banda. You're welcome. Thank you so much for calling, Elizabeth. I'm sure that your question is going to help a lot of our viewers. We also have Russell on the line. Russell, what is your question for Dr. Banda? Yes, hello, Dr. Banda. Hello. <clears throat> okay, my problem really isn't my stomach because it happens before my food gets down through the stomach. Sometimes I'll eat and it just sticks in my esophagus. It's, it's like it gets almost down through my stomach and it just sticks there. Hmm. And quite often I have to go throw it up. And then sometimes it even happens twice. And then if I still have the energy to eat, then I'll, I can usually eat. After that, it will usually swallow. I mean, I, it's swallowing in the problem. It's the fact that it gangs up right down there. Do you have any clue about that? Gangs up like down uh, below the, the upper middle part of your stomach in that area, you feel it? Yes, sir. It's a, it just sticks down right, well, just kind of at the, I don't know where I'm guessing, the bottom of my esophagus, yeah. es esophagus is. Uh, I actually looked, I Googled it one time and I heard something called steakhouse syndrome. Does that make sense to you? Because it generally happens when I eat meat. Uh, very well could be, but uh, you know, we got to think about things that happen commonly and, and that's not a common thing that we see. So I would suggest, uh, first of all, um, what abdominal surgeries have you had before? I've never had abdominal okay. surgery. It's that's problem. That's, that's why I was hoping you could answer this okay. question just for me. I mean, I hate to take away from anybody that has Oh, no, that's fine, because you're probably ans uh, asking a lot of questions that are out there already. So, uh, how old are you, sir? I'm 66. Okay. And have you had a uh, previous, uh, uh, have you seen a gastroenterologist to maybe run a stomach scope at one point in the past? 
No, sir, I never have. Okay. What I would recommend, sir, is that uh, maybe you uh, consult with your primary care physician and talk about this, and then a referral could be made to a gastroenterologist because your symptoms that you're having right now tell me that your upper GI gastrointestinal tract needs to be looked at. You know, I know you feel like it's at the lower part, but there could be something, uh, a distal or a, a disorder of the end part of your esophagus or in the stomach. Uh, that needs to be looked at, no doubt about it. So I would rec recommend uh, a gastroenterology evaluation, uh, endoscopy or EGD as we say, to look that out, to uh, uh, sort it out and to see if there's really something functional or maybe a tightening or a stricture as we call it. Something is real and something's bothering you and I, and I do recommend um, uh, pursuing that uh, uh, as soon as feasible, sir. Okay. And if they well, find something so with a scope, it, if they find something, then that may mm -hmm. mean that you need surgery. But surgery is not the first line of treatment for your particular situation. It actually may be a second line right. treatment. But the first line treatment is the evaluation uh, with a gastroenterologist and uh, have a stomach scope done, and, and let's get more answers that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like I wish I had a big old mouth plunger. I could just sit <laughs> down to my stomach because it just sticks. <laughs> yeah, well, we need to fix that sticking because uh, uh, we live in Louisiana. We got to let you keep on eating this great food of this state. Well, I sure appreciate your, your help here, doctor. You're so welcome, sir. Yes, thank you so much for calling, and we wish you well. And I thank you again because it's good to bring that up, too. We talk about the symptoms and, and what we think. So what is the, the procedure? Like, go to your primary doctor first? Yes, uh, in general, uh, <coughs> see your primary care doctor first. So they have the opportunity to talk to you, examine you. And, you know, they may think uh, uh, along some other lines, which is fine. And they may order a certain set of tests. And uh, once they review those tests, then they may feel, okay, well then I need to send you to a specialist. And uh, through the primary care's office, uh, they can uh, submit that referral and facilitate that move. Okay, and we have a Rosie on the line now. Rosie, thank you for calling. What's your question for Dr. Banda? Yes, I would like to find out at what point you need to go to the doctor or hospital if, if you're having problems with constipation. And, you know, I, I know that there's medicine out there you can take to help you go, but I'm just wondering at what point if you've taken that and it doesn't help, when should you go to the doctor? Um, when you tell me constipation, is this, uh, how often do you have a bowel movement? Oh, usually several times a week. But not every day? No. Okay. Uh, do you get a lot of uh, abdominal uh, bloating and, and discomfort and cramp before a bowel movement? Well, I I do now. Uh, yeah, I, I can I can tell that I'm very bloated. But uh, you know, you, you should, I I just it's just every once in a while that I get constipated, and this particular time. Um, I've had, you know, that one night I had a lot, a lot of pain with it, and I've been getting up like once on the hour to, to go to the restroom, and 
uh, I've taken uh, Mer- what's that stuff, honey? Miralai. last night, and then I've got some uh, laxative gummies that I'm going to try tonight. But I just I don't want to go, you know, simply because I'm constipated. But then again, I don't want to wind up with there being a blockage or something. And that's why I need to know when. Which should I go to the doctor? Let me ask you this. How long uh, has this been going on in general? Uh, just just this week. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, I've had been obstipated before, however, not, not to this extent. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you had a colonoscopy in the past? Several, yes, sir. Okay. What well, you know, you have a condition that we call uh, with not just constipation, but it's a change in bowel habits, especially in an adult like yourself. That could be very uh, a big concern. Um, it seems like it's bothering you. If you had over-the-counter uh, uh, medicines like Miralax, or if you feel like you're really increasing your fiber, I mean, really be honest and taking your vegetables and salads and all that. And if that's not really working, I would recommend, even though you've had a colonoscopy several years ago, this is kind of different. This is a recent change in your bowel habits. And um, hopefully, if you have uh, seen any blood, that's even more of a concern in your stool. So my advice, and I would really strongly recommend this, is to uh, ask your primary care physician for uh, an evaluation and possibly a referral to a gastroenterologist because I think uh, a colonoscopy, which is a scope to evaluate the entire colon from start to finish, is really in order in your situation. I think that needs to be done. Uh, There may be something more than just a functional constipation. There always could be a tumor or a diverticulosis that needs to be uh, diagnosed and treated. Uh, so yes, I, I would go that route and I certainly wouldn't waste any time. Okay, well I appreciate your help, sir. You're welcome. Thank you so much for calling. Good luck to you. And, and again, this brings up something that I'm sure a lot of people either haven't thought about or this is answering something and triggering in their brain. When we fill out the paperwork or we're asked something, there is a difference in just being, like for this example, constipated or a change in bowel habits. Right. That's specific. So let's talk a little bit about the difference in just having a temporary problem. You know, we, uh, we all enjoy eating the fun foods in the state of Louisiana. <laughs> oh, yes. And sometimes it's just not high in fiber. And I believe the number one recommendation universally is to uh, include enough fiber in your diet so that your bowels, your uh, bowel movements be more regular. It would be preferable to have at least one or at least uh, or a couple of bowel movements a day. Um, now, most of us uh, really don't add as much fiber as we could. And if we get that in order, uh, then maybe the constipation would not be as severe. Um, And some patients have this chronically over a long period of time and they know this is the way their gut works, which is fine. Uh, But when you get to the age, uh, a certain age, uh, especially at the age of 45 or 50, and maybe the constipation become more bothersome or maybe it's, it's gotten a little more severe where one went to the restroom uh, once a day, now it's every other day. 
well, then that needs to be looked at. And the only way to look at that is with a colonoscope. And the gastroenterologist uh, will perform that procedure uh, to evaluate the entire colon to see if there's a, a partial blockage or a tumor. Um, all those need to be sorted out. Uh, and then if that colonoscopy comes back fine, then we know it's most likely uh, not enough fiber in the diet. So we're gonna recommend a high fiber diet. And that should help with uh, you know, more regular bowel movements. And the good bottom line is just to pay attention to your individual habits and if there's a change. Right. Not better or worse, it's just like, this is not really normal for me. That's exactly yeah. right. Okay. And if you, we talk about people who are like, they're either concerned with fiber and then they'll bulk up on a lot of fiber. Should you also have a lot of water too? Because if you have too much fiber, could that? Not necessarily. Okay. Uh, really, if, if one has watery stools or irregular bowel habits, it's usually something we ate. Mm -hmm. uh, especially after, as we get older, your diet really affects your GI system more than it has, you know, uh, years ago. Okay. All right. Well, this has been wonderful information, Dr. Banda. Thank you. What is something that you'd like to leave our viewers and listeners with today? My biggest uh, message is, you know, we all, as human beings, deal with certain aches and pains. Um, when it gets past a certain point, uh, then really strongly consider uh, consulting with your primary care physician or coming to the emergency room because it could be a serious situation that could be uh, resolved uh, very uh, clearly and decisively, but if it drags on, it could be a lot more complicated, requiring bigger treatment, bigger surgery, and more recovery. So. Uh, get to your doctor sooner rather than later. All right, don't be afraid to go in and see what's going on. Sure. All right, thank you, Dr. Banda. We appreciate you being here so much. Thank you. And for everyone, me. thank you for all our callers, everyone watching. We'll see you next time on Healthline 3.